author of Ghost Squad and Witchlings. And I'm Kat Cho, author of the Kumiho Duology and Once Upon a K-Prom, and this is Write or Die. In person! <laughs> In real life! This is our first time recording an episode of Write or Die, like, next to each other. Yeah, I'm looking at Clarville's beautiful, smiling face as I talk to all of you right now. <laughs> it took us way too long, um, but yeah, here we are. It's the new year. It is. Well, well when this airs, It'll obviously. Air. We're pretending. We're acting. We're actors. We're Actor. famous actors. No, not famous. Serious actors. Not famous. <laughs> <laughs> this is already going so well. I'm drinking an iced coffee at 4.40. I'm also drinking an iced coffee, but my iced coffee is the one I bought like at 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, you also bought like the biggest Dunkin'. It's like, it's like, what is those big gulp size? That's like the one Ben Affleck buys every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what pop culture reference that is, but He's I trust you. And he loves his donkeys. Oh. All right. So um, even though we had a bunch of episodes that came out in 2021 after this news hit, we had pre-recorded it like good podcasters. <laughs> so we haven't gotten a chance to say on the podcast that Clarabelle is a New York Times bestselling author. Oh my gosh, we need to re-record the opening so that you say you're the New York Times bestselling oh, no, author. No, I am not going to say that. <laughs> Just say New York Times bestselling and I will like I'll edit it in. No, I don't I don't want to say it. I feel weird saying that. I feel like saying I'm Clarabelle Ortega, the New York Times bestselling author. All right, you said it. I'm putting that in. Let's edit it in. Edit it in. We're doing it. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh man. But how do you feel? First of all, congratulations thank you thank you um i feel it is very surreal feeling um it is uh, being on the new york times bestseller list like was one of like my top uh goals as an author i've always really really wanted to hit the list and it's a weird thing because it's one of those things where it's it's not that we're not allowed to talk about it but it's like it's sort of like looked down upon like oh we don't talk about that out loud we don't talk about money (laughs) you're so right though because like yeah you're not supposed to want it but like realistically who doesn't want to hit the new york times bestseller or admit that you want it like publicly right um because then it's like if you don't if you admit you want it and you don't hit then like it's like i don't know supposed to be embarrassing or something whatever (laughs) who cares about embarrassing we've been living in a pandemic for the past like two and a half years or whatever the hell it's been so um I it's been a very surreal feeling like I still I'm not used to it Mm -hmm. when I see my bio or when someone brings it up I get like you know when you have a really good day and the next day you wake up and you remember the good thing that happened and you get excited (laughs) all over again it's sort of like that (laughs) well that's the cutest way of describing it (laughs) yeah it's like every time I remember it I'm like whoa um because one of the things that people kept saying to me like throughout the whole day is like no matter what happens like you're always going to be a New York Times bestseller from now on and it's such a nice feeling because like the reason why I started writing was to have some semblance of control over like my life and like shitty things happening that you can't control. And so to have something that is like mine and that I, and that no matter what happens, that will always be part of like my legacy as an author. It's really nice. It's a nice feeling. And it's also validating. Like it's Mm -hmm. validating in the same way that like when you're querying for a long time and you're like, when will anyone believe in me? And you get an agent. It's like, okay, someone, 
in the industry believed in me so now it's like that on like a larger scale um and i still stare at my bio like in awe um all the time uh it's only at this point it's only really been like a month since it happened yeah yeah yeah. it's very fresh cat got me a really beautiful um (laughs) wooden uh sort of display of the list with a picture of ghost squad right next to it it's really really nice and like a beautiful like brass like stand Uh, it's very fancy and beautiful um but yeah I feel really proud I will never forget the day that I found out because I was coming out of the shower and I almost fell and it was really funny Um, and I hyperventilated uh, pretty much because you know I'm mentally ill so (laughs) I had a very strong reaction to it but it is it's it's something that like I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to know what it felt like until like it actually happened and then when it did it was like holy shit um but yeah I'm just really appreciative of like all my readers all the people who have supported me because it's been a really long journey and like you and I were talking about this before this is very much an underdog story because Mm -hmm. my book came out during a pandemic um it hit the list once it released in paperback which is also very weird like that doesn't happen super often especially for like middle grade middle grade lists Mm -hmm. are really hard to hit um and you know a lot of times hardcover books that already hit hardcover will hit the paperback it's like a continuation and the middle grade uh list is very white a lot of times also Mm -hmm. um it's a lot harder for uh, authors of color to go get on um the middle grade list and to stay on the middle grade list I don't know how many other Dominican-American middle grade authors have hit the list in the past. I don't know of any. I might be the first. If I'm not, someone please tell me. But I'm in such a a small group that I can't think of someone else. Um, Yeah. So it's a a big deal to me. And um, I'm really happy. And, like, thanks to all the wordies who bought the 20 copies. We did it. (laughs) Yeah, this is you guys. You guys did it. This is the group... uh... Group project, yeah. <laughs> next, we're gotta do cat. <laughs> yeah, the next assignment. Yeah, you um, you understood the assignment. Oh God, <laughs> not that. But now you have a new one. <laughs> I also have a book coming at you guys. It's called Once Upon a Cape. <laughs> no, um, yeah. I think it's it's so we love stories where it's not what you've been told is how it's supposed to happen in publishing because publishing loves to have narratives that seem very it must be like this or it won't happen um which I think you and I definitely we're always trying to fight against that's why we're always like it depends it depends um but I think the one that I hate the most is that if you don't hit the list when you first debut and if you don't get the accolades when you first debut then you're never gonna get it because that like somehow like colors your whole entire career even though it's just one book and one moment in your career one of my favorite stories that I think about a lot is um, Karen's Karen McManus's story that she told us because you know I think when you look at her career now you think like oh Karen she's always been a New York Times bestseller she's always like from the beginning or whatever and she probably got a lot of marketing and publicity and all of that because she's like every book she's written has hit the list she has such a good loyal following a tv show got made about her debut but she was not lead title 
She did not hit the list for a month after her book first came out. And it was the, you know, passion of her readers that got that onto the list. And and her journey is not, at the very beginning at least, was not the way we were told it was supposed to happen. Like we were told, like, if you don't hit the list in the first week, you're never going to hit it. Yep. Um, but I love stories like hers. I love stories like yours. Yeah. Because it proves that there's more than one way. Yeah, and I think it's really important. I mean, that's the whole point of Ride or Die, to talk about these stories because we only remember, like, the last thing someone someone did. I think mm-hmm. um, with people also like Holly Black, right? We, like, see her current success, but, mm-hmm. like, her first release was, like, very small and, like, quiet, you know? Yeah. And um, people only really think of, like, the last thing that you did a lot of times. And, like, if you blow up, it's almost like everything that happened before didn't even happen. And there's a lot of people who are just now discovering me and have no idea how long my journey took. Um, My boyfriend said something funny. He was like, well, now you're an overnight success. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) He's like, well, that's what people are going to say, right? Like once people start saying that, then you know that you made it. Because you made it. I cannot. Uh, But there are people who, there are, the, the cool thing about like social media as much as it is a pain in my buns, is that, like, we do get to share those things. Like, I have people who have been following me who I don't really know, mm-hmm. who've known me since, like, I started talking about the idea of writing on Twitter. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's so cool. Like, so many of them got so emotional when I hit the list because they've been there. They've been supporting me. They've been boosting my stuff. They've been, like, encouraging me during hard times. And, that to me is really like the meaning of like the writing community right it's not only like author to author it's also like the people who support us and like are really there for our journey and like root for us when nobody else was just like 10 of them like yeah like just all the same 10 people liking and retweeting (laughs) um but you know they hold you down for a long time while you're getting like your foot in the door and um it's it's I'm, I'm glad that we have the, these, like, platforms to be able to talk about these stories, to talk about stories like mine and Karen's and all of these other people who don't have the conventional, like, you know, blew up right away and then mm-hmm. just, like, shot straight up after that. Because that's not the majority, you know? Yeah. It's, like, a very, very small group that that happens to. So if people want interviews of authors who you know, had a very, a much more winding road to publishing than some people might have thought we'll put some of those down that are our favorites yeah from the past um definitely amico's yeah for sure a great one so yeah we'll put those we'll put those down in the description link i mean like kind of similarly the to the whole thread of like you know um not everyone like some people discover you at different points of your career um uh Advanced reader copies of Once Upon a K-Prom went out. So a bunch of librarians and booksellers They're so are cute. They're reading, so cute. <laughs> are reading them. And um, I saw a review, which like, uh, don't read reviews. Definitely don't. But I saw one. And I'm not going to lie and say I didn't see it. Where a bookseller, I believe it's a bookseller, was like, I was reading this. And I, re- and I was like, the voice of this author is very familiar. So I looked her up and I'm literally reading her debut right now. Like, this person was reading Wicked Fox. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize you that wrote I K-prom. Oh, also wrote K-Prom. Literally read at the same time reading my other book and was like, why does this voice sound familiar? So, like, you know, people just, like, not everyone is, like, tuned into it at all times, which is fair because right. no one can be, like, know everything that you're doing. Right. But and there's a lot cool. of authors. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, that, that makes total sense. And, like, that's another reason why, like, you know, we talk about our books so much online and all that stuff. Because it takes a while for people to really pick up on something. Like, mm-hmm. and I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't really have more to say about that. <laughs> well, I, was, no, I, like, I like where you were going with it. With you were saying, I, I felt like what you were about to say was, like, it's okay to continuously talk about your book. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, th- let me tell you something. I know that I have probably been so annoying with, like, my promo and stuff, but I don't give a shit because that's why I'm online. I'm online to talk to people, to have fun, and to talk about my books. Like, I use it as, like, a semi-professional space, and nobody can ever tell me again that social media does not matter when it comes to books because I am fucking living proof that it does because my book came out during a pandemic. Had I not had a following and the platform that I already had from spending my whole, all of my days on Twitter and really promoting the poop out of Ghost Squad, um, this story could have been very different. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of different factors when something like hitting the list comes into play like a publisher push there is Mm -hmm. like promo there's buzz there's you know the tie-in with barnes and noble all of that stuff but (laughs) i tweeted this thing the other day where i was like i'm sorry to say this it's very annoying but sometimes hard work does pay off (laughs) (laughs) and the reason why i say that is because like i'm the kind of person who have who's had jobs where it's like the better you do at your job like the more responsibility you're given because it's like oh you're one of the good ones so I had come to associate, like, doing a lot of work with not, like, getting a lot of payoff, but, like, just getting a lot more work because of that. And this is the first time in my life that, like, I worked really, really hard and I'm seeing the payoff of that work happening. Um, But, yeah, I'm just, I'm happy and grateful. I'm glad. And, And I'm also glad that your hard work is paying off because I do know how much you do, not just for yourself, but for the community um and it's nice to see you fi- not finally but it's nice to see you being appreciated in the way that I think you deserve to be appreciated thanks friend um yeah but that's like super duper cool I'm so proud of you thank you um <laughs> obviously you have a new book coming out this year 2022 2022 now <laughs> oh god well we um, both have books coming both, out this year yeah last year was paper book only for, paperback only for us you you had a anthology yeah yeah. and actually marvel as well yeah so solo book wise we only had we both only had paperback last year so this year is new books from both of us um but since it's a new year and since it's single tier the last new year episode of write or die um, <laughs> um i i love it when we talk about our resolutions yeah it's like speak it into the universe kind of a feeling okay yeah all right so I would love for this year, finally, to sell a young adult book. Oh, yes. I also would love for you to do that because I love this young adult book (laughs) you're going on some way. So any editors listening to this episode? Yes, please. It is, I don't know, all of us villains meets Killing Eve. That's a good, that's a good. (laughs) I love that you have all those villains as a comp now because it's so appropriate. It it, it really is. It really is. I like, I like to think that Foodie and Christine wrote that book so you could use it as a comp. (laughs) That's the only reason why. Just so that I could use it as a comp. Um, No, it's so good. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, that's, that's, 
I have a lot. Like, I do the postcard thing that you know about every New Year's. Like, I write down all my goals and resolutions. But in terms of, like, my writing career, that's mine. How about you? Um, well, let me think. There, I do have another book slash series idea that I love, 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 love. I told you about it. Um, and I'm like so into it. Not like, not to say like I don't love all my other books that I've already written, but I really want to write it this year. Um, and you and I have talked before about selling on proposal mm-hmm. and, and we have both just had very interesting experience with writing, with selling on proposal. And I think for me, where I am personally, professionally, I would like to fully draft this book before selling it. So that'll, that'll definitely be a new year's resolution for me. And like, honestly, inspired by what you said earlier, but yeah, if once upon a K prom hit the list, would not be mad about that. I mean, let's make it happen. Everyone. <laughs> RM, if you're listening, first of all, call me. Second of all, if you took one picture with Once Upon a Key Prom, it would sell. One real picture, not the yeah, Photoshop, not the Photoshop one that I made. Just like hold it. You don't even have to really read it. Just you do hold, not have to read it. Hold the book and like, like make like move it around. Like let JK step on it, and that way it'll look like you've been reading it. And then like walk through the airport. Just, like, do me that one favor. I've listened to your songs a lot. You yeah. <laughs> Listen, RM, I've been supporting you since pre-debut, okay? I've known you since you were wow, a child. bringing out the big guns. Yeah. I listened to your pre-debut single that you got, that you and the rest of the rap line made. I've supported you. <laughs> I've been ARMY. I've been there for you. Like... Honestly, if you could just do this one favor for me. It's so small, too. It's such a small favor. <laughs> just take a photo of my book. Um, do you think it'll be translated? That's I, you know what's really hard for me to understand and it's been a dis- it's been some people have tried to explain it to me is that like certain certain t- you mean into Korean? Yeah. Certain books like from a home culture if it's written like for the Western audience, oh, they gotcha. might not translate it in that one. That being said, though, like um, some other Korean American authored books have been translated to Korean, so it's not like it can't be done. Yeah, wasn't but, like, I? I'll be the one. I think I'll be the one was. Yeah. yeah, it has such a cute cover too. I, I remember that. So mm. cute. So like, I it's interesting because you and I were talking about this earlier. Like we're we've been given advice by people who pretty much paved the way for us like diverse authors and they gave us advice so that we'll be prepared for what the industry is like but their advice also is based on like a struggle that they went through that doesn't exist anymore because of them yeah you know so i this advice was given to me a long time ago when i when before right before i debuted and so what i like to think is that it's no longer the case because I would love to see one of my books in Korean. Oh, that would be so cool. We'd have to fly to Korea just to see it yeah. there. I think that's yeah. a very big deal. There's this giant bookstore that is very famous. Lots of people take photos in it where it's like two stories of this like lobby area of like a shopping area. And it's gorgeous. And I would go there. That would be so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm going in your suitcase. You just buy a plane ticket and fly with me. I don't have to smuggle you into Korea. It's expensive. They don't pay you when you become a New York Times bestselling author. Well, sometimes they do. There are bonuses. Oh, there are bonuses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so we talked about resolutions. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, think that's it. Hopefully, this year is better. <laughs> better in terms of how the how globally, like yes, yeah, yes, the world for the itself. world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we hope that everyone's safe and healthy. I I feel really lucky because I got to get my booster shot. Ooh, yeah. So that's great, but yeah, I w- everyone's in a different life situation. So hope you are all staying as safe as you can, healthy and. And yeah. if you're having a hard time, just know that like we're we love you and we're rooting for you and things will get better. They will. And if you're you just need to be sad and angry right now, then that's okay too. That's totally cool. Let feel your feelings. Feeling your feelings is very important. Yeah. Mm. We'll record different reactions so whichever one's appropriate. So the first one is supportive. Like um like everything will be okay. Okay. So like it's okay, you guys. It's going to be fine. Just power through. Oh, depending we'll on, there. like, what the situation mm-hmm. is next year? Okay. Um, what else should we say? Um, everything sucks. Yeah. Clarabelle, <laughs> you do the everything sucks one. Um, so everything sucks. <laughs> uh, but, you know, at least we have one another to, like, yeah. go through it with. Like, that's been one of the things that has sort of held me together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I use humor as a coping mechanism for like everything but just like going through things uh as a community with your friends um talking about things with one another even when it's hard i think that's really important and it's okay to say like that everything does suck right now and um gotta hope for the best in the future but right now it's cool to be like angry and to and and to express those feelings and to feel them um I'll do the like commiserating mm. like you know what you are so right that's so that's awful and you have a right to think that that's awful and you know what you could just like go to your room and listen to loud music or like watch murder sh- shows or whatever you want to do because you deserve it and what happened to you is not cool yeah it's yeah not. not cool um let's do the like everything is er- oh wow everything's better um we're really glad that things are getting better <laughs> Yours are so measured. <laughs> it's like your voice is exactly the same for everything. You're just what you're saying is different. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually really good at doing that. Like this is a sidebar, but for one of the for the video that I did, I did two takes of something mm-hmm. and the sound was better in the other one, but because I use the same exact inflection inflections every single time, I was able to take the sound and put it over the video and my mouth you can't tell. <laughs> like you literally can't tell. Oh my god. Um Okay. Anyway, those are our different depending on what your mood is right now, just fast forward to whichever one is appropriate <laughs> yeah. for you. Um we love you guys and thank you for being with us for our last New Year season, our last New Year. Yay! This week's guest is Akshaya Raman. Akshaya fell in love with writing when she wrote her first story at the age of 10. Though she graduated from UC Davis with a degree in biology, she gave up pursuing a career in science to write books. She's a co-founder and contributor to Writer's Block Party. Ooh, that sounds like an amazing blog. Um, A group blog about writing and publishing and has served on the planning teams of several book festivals. She lives in the Bay Area with an actual scaredy cat, and in her free time, she enjoys baking, traveling, and watching too much reality TV. Hi, Akshaya. How are you? Hi. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me on Ride or Die. This is so exciting. Yay. We're super excited to have you. So excited. So, Akshaya, as a longtime <laughs> listener of the podcast, um, just kidding. Um, so, why are you doing this? She is our listener. Um, so tell us about your publishing journey. How did you get started? How'd you get your agent, your book deal? Just take us on the journey. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I never like wrote a, how I got my agent or how I got my book deal, like post or anything like that. So this is like an exclusive, um, this is the first <laughs> yes, time only I'm here, right or dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, where do I start? Um, I feel like it's both been like a long and a really fast journey. <laughs> okay. And what, what do you mean um, by that? What I mean by that is that like it internally, I feel like it was a really hard journey. Like a lot of what I struggled with was just my own like self-doubt. Like I felt like a lot of the reasons that my journey has been long has been me getting in my own way because externally, if you look at my journey, it was all really fast. Like I queried, I only queried one book and I got an offer the next day. Um, and I went on sub with just that same book and we had an offer a week later. So like externally, those are just so fast. And I know that's incredibly rare in publishing, but like the steps that it took me to get to those like big milestones were really long. Like there was a lot of revisions that I had to do. There was a lot of like self-doubt and like getting out of my own head to be able to get to those places, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. So do, do you want to tell us a little bit about that sort of like pre-journey that you went through? Yes. Um, yeah. So I kind of started writing seriously, like towards the end of 2014 was when I was like, okay, I'm going to try to get published. And I wrote a book in 2014 and I was like, this is terrible and I don't want to work on it anymore. So then I just, I finished it and then I just never looked at it again. (laughs) And then I started writing another book in 2015. It was a YA space opera. And of course, (laughs) you and Kat both. 2015 was space opera time. I did. Yeah, that was when I wrote mine. Oh, was it really? That's so funny. Was that also the year we met? Oh, I think we met the year after. Mm, Yeah, we met in 2016. Yeah, so 2015, I guess we were both separately writing space operas. And I don't know if you had this experience, but people were like, that's not going to go anywhere. Space operas don't get published. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so that was obviously very demoralizing. Um, but, you know, I was like, I'm still going to do it. So I spent like a whole year rewriting that book multiple times. Actually, a year and a half. I worked on it through the beginning of 2016, too. And then... I finally was like, this is too complicated. This is too hard. And it felt like, you know, publishing also was not going to make it easy. So I tabled it. And then I wrote another book that I actually never finished, but maybe one day I'll go back to it. It was like sort of Greek mythology based book. And then this was like right around the time that there were like more conversations about like own voices. And there was like, we need diverse books was like, picking up and stuff like that so then I felt like more comfortable I think exploring the idea of writing a book where the there weren't just white characters because every single book I'd written up until that point just had white characters Mm -hmm. so 
the Ivory Key was literally the first book that I wrote that had Indian characters. And I started working on that in 2016. I wrote it. Oh, actually, wait, that I literally started writing it the week that we met Kat because it was, we met at a book festival and I started working on it like at that festival. Um, oh my gosh, it's so wild. Yeah, it's so wild to think about it now. You saw um, Kat and it, and it inspired, inspired you. you. My <laughs> face inspired you. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, you know, I know the book isn't officially dedicated to Kat, but in my heart, it's 100% dedicated to Kat. It's, it's recorded. That is recorded. So that's canon. That is 100% true. You can quote me on that. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so then I wrote The Ivory Keep in, like, just a flurry of inspiration. I wrote my first draft in three weeks. Like, I was just so obsessed with this idea. And then I wrote it, and then it was Wait, absolutely time- terrible. Time out. How long was it? Uh, 70-something thousand words. Like, maybe 73, 74. Mm-hmm. holy moly that is so much writing <laughs> okay the wild thing about it is I actually have like word counts and stuff and it wasn't like I had these like super high word count days or anything like that it was just a pretty consistent like I think the most I wrote in a day was probably like 4,000 words or something that's a lot I mean, of words but like it wasn't like you know I was writing 10,000 words a day or something right like that. right so it was, yeah 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 I was just really excited about this book. Oh, I guess. But that, but then you said the draft was terrible. Is that what you said? The draft is absolutely terrible. <laughs> and, I mean, we can come back to this, but like looking back, um, so I actually got an ADHD diagnosis towards the end of 2019. And looking back, I'm like, oh, that was 100% like an ADHD, like hyper-focused thing. Like that's the only reason that I was able to do like a three week long draft because I have never been able to do that again. And I don't think I will in the future. Maybe I will. Who knows? But that was just like very much be me being hyper focused on this one book that I was just so excited about that <laughs> I really wrote it in three weeks. Oh God, I wish that were me. I'm on deadline right now and I cannot. I wish that were me too. I wish I could do that again because I'm also on deadline. And oh my God. The thought of writing 72 or 73,000 words in like three weeks. I'm like, wow, I could definitely use that right now. Right? <laughs> God. You know how when pe- sometimes people are like, what's your stupid superpower that you would pay? I'm like, writing very fast. <laughs> <laughs> I want that so badly. So or like bad. just writing consistently. Like, Ugh. you know, because if I write, I can write like, okay, maybe I wrote 3,000 words today, but will I be able to write 3,000 words again tomorrow? No, I'm like, that was just a lot of brain power that I used up today that I'm not going to have tomorrow. Like that's what I want, like this consistency. Yeah, I think also, uh, not to get too off track, but I feel like as we improve as writers, like we don't allow ourselves to write as sloppily as we did when we first started. And I think that has to do with it also, because when you're just sort of like stream of consciousness writing anything, it's a little bit easier than when you're like purposefully thinking of like the plot and like the character arcs and like all of these things. We're juggling all of these different um, sort of things at the same time when we're writing now, because we want the book to not suck as much as possible uh, before we send it to our editors right um so I think it makes sense for us to not be able to write uh as quickly there are obviously some uh writers who write like hella fast 
Uh, but that's not me. <laughs> Superhuman. Super and I am very in awe of that. But I 100% agree because a lot of me slowing down is just that I don't like to write words that I know I'm going to rewrite now. Um, because I don't like to write words to just hit a word count if I know, okay, that's the wrong direction for the story. Like I'd rather pause and try to figure out what I want to do. Whereas like when I was first starting out, it was more important for me to actually get to the end because I wasn't doing that yet. And I needed to like know that I could finish a story and go all the way to the end. Um, so it was helpful for me to have those kinds of like word count goals and say, okay, I'm just gonna write whatever I want as long as I'm writing forward. I have a question for you. So in your bio, it says that you wrote your first story at the age of 10. So what was the thing? You weren't 10 in 2016 or 2015 or whatever. So what was... Actually, <laughs> actually I was really mature. <laughs> so so what, what was the turning point for you? Like, what made you realize, like, hey, this is what I want to do? You know, I never actually had a moment where this wasn't what I wanted to do. I just thought I couldn't be a writer, if that makes sense. And yeah, some of that is so just sad, cultural stuff. Yeah, yeah. I I feel that really deep in my heart. Like when I do, there's a certain school presentation that I do. Where I talk about Arl Stein and like I love the idea of being an author when I was very young, but I was like, I can't, I don't look like Arl Stein. Mm -hmm. I'm not a scary old man. Um, <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> That's only for people like him. Um, and it just sort of like planted itself in my brain, mm -hmm. that idea, and didn't really go away. And I think it's interesting that all of your characters were originally white because that was me too. Uh, I think that until I read Daniel Jose Older, um, books did I realize like wait a minute I can actually write characters that look and sound like me and are from the same sort of cultural backgrounds as me I, f I felt like I didn't have permission <laughs> to do those things so yeah and I feel like that's a very like universal authors who started writing around the time that we all started writing feeling <laughs> because it yeah. was like just starting to like really bloom in in Kidlet in a way that it hadn't before um so that makes a lot of absolutely. sense to me absolutely and that's funny that you say that because I had a very similar moment and for me that person was Roshni Chakshi like finding mm -hmm. out that she sold the Star Touch Queen and it was like based on Indian mythology and there were Indian characters absolutely blew my mind. And that book came out in 2016. And that was really what gave me the courage to write The Ivory Key because up until that point, it just didn't seem like that was even realistic. Yeah. You know, it, it had just not even occurred to me to, to do that. And which is wild if you think about it, right? Like to think that there was a period of time in my life when I just never thought I could write Indian characters because I had literally just never seen it. And I was like, it, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to write it and like do something different. It just, I was just like, I can't do that. Yeah. It's wild. And I mean, not to be cliche, but like, I think that's why representation matters, right? Like we say that so much, but this is like a concrete example yeah. of like you seeing someone who you identify with and you relate to doing a thing that you've always wanted to do and that's just opening up that part of your brain to make it feel like it's possible I think that's really cool yeah definitely and you know I always like 
hate talking about like, oh, why do we need diverse books? But like, to be totally honest, like, for me, it's just that I want like future generations to never need that moment of like, yep. that realization, because so many people who are like around our age who started working um, towards like, anything, any sort of like artistic pursuit, because I have like one of my best friends is an artist. And she was telling me the same thing too, where she was like, when was that moment where you had a realization that you could like draw or write characters that looked like you? And I was like, this is such a depressing, but like, you know, good conversation. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's wild. So how so many of us have that story of like, oh, wait, we can actually do this. Yeah, it's really wild. All right. So let's fast forward from inspiration, because you did kind of already say that your querying and your submission process were fairly quick, but as your friend and someone who witnessed everything <laughs> that you went through, I know that it's a lot more complicated than that. And from my perspective, you did a lot of legwork ahead of time. Like you became really involved in the community. You did a lot of research on which agents would actually be really good for you and your work. And I think that it paid off because then you only queried people who fit you so well that they, you know, latched onto your work as soon as you sent it to them. That's how I see it. So can you kind of just tell us about like your thought process? Oh, that's very kind of you. Um, yeah, so, okay, so going, I guess, kind of backtracking to where um, I somewhat left off my writing story, but so I wrote the book in 2016. I did a really big revision. I spent all of 2016 doing a really big revision. Um, then in early 2017, I did another big revision. And then in early 2017, or spring 2017, I actually participated in DV Pit, which both of you have also done. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my DV Pit experience was very interesting because on the one hand, I, this was like very early on, like when, because I think right now, like a lot of Twitter, like pitch contests are not necessarily doing as well um, as they were like a few years ago. And so in 2017, when I pitched, I had a lot of interest, but I simultaneously also got some feedback that was basically like, this book isn't ready. But at that point I had already pitched. And so this is like one of those things where you're like not supposed to do this. Um, but it was just like a weird sort of circumstance where I had already pitched and then I realized, okay, I needed to do more revis revisions on this book. So then I actually never sent it to any of the people who requested. And then I spent all of 2017 revising again. I did two more rounds at the very end of 2017. I was pretty severely burnt out because I had done like maybe five drafts at that point and they were all like full rewrites. And I sent it to some critique partners um, in uh, around this time, probably like uh, around like December, um, November, December, something like that. And then I got more feedback that was basically like, this book still isn't ready. Like there's still a lot of things that need work. And I was just having a really hard time with that because I had spent so much time on it and it was just so heartbreaking to realize, and these people were 100% right. There was still more work that needed to do, that I needed to do on the book, but it was just so heartbreaking to be like, it's still not ready. So then I, <laughs> I quit writing. <laughs> 
I love how you're laughing about it. I also I love how you were it. like, it was so quick, like my whole journey. And you just like describing like a very not quick journey. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> like so much suffering, like intense revisions. Like, <laughs> the truth comes think- out. <laughs> I think I just like also blocked out a lot. of (laughs) (laughs) That sounds more accurate to me. (laughs) Oh gosh. Pretty like, yeah, I, I literally quit writing and I was thinking, I was like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't be a writer, but maybe, but I knew I wanted to do something like word related, like storytelling related. So I was like, Oh, maybe I should like try to work in publishing or maybe I should, you know, become a bookseller. Like, I was like, there's a lot of different sort of paths that felt like they might be more appropriate. So yeah, I just like didn't write for like, I think it was like three months or something like that, two or three months. And then it was just like, looking back at it now, having experienced it a couple of more times, I knew that that was just like burnout. And I was just extremely like tired and I wasn't taking a break and I was at a really hard day job at the time too that was also taking up a lot of my energy and so yeah so I took that break and then eventually my like creative joy came back like my excitement came back and then I did one more revision and then I was kind of forced into querying (laughs) by by one of your writer friends by one of my friends who was very kind to me and was like, you've been revising this for too long. It was two years at that point. And so she was like, it's time. You need to just send it out to people and whatever happens, happens, but at least you'll have answers. And I was like, okay, I'll query soon. And then she was like, no, I'm going to give you a referral to my agent and I'm going to tell my agent that you're going to send your query tomorrow. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And then she was like, yeah, so my agent responded. Um, and so <laughs> tomorrow. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? I still have the last like 3,000 words of my book to revise. And she was like, well, you're going to make me look bad. I mean, she. to be fair, she's like one of my best friends. And this is 100% the kind of thing that worked on me. Because anytime someone's like, that's going to make me look bad. I'm like, oh my God, yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, I'm going to do everything. <laughs> you don't look bad. Oh, man. Well, she knows you well then, huh? <laughs> he knows me so well. And obviously that works. So then I was like dragging my feet. I was like, I'll get to it when I get to it. I want to query this summer, but I don't know. And so the next day. So yeah, so then I woke up in the morning. I had my query list. I had a bunch of people from DV Pit who had requested And then I had a couple of other um, agents who had like either reached out um, or through like other random circumstances, like I'd gone to a conference and pitched an agent who then requested um, to see the book and, you know, stuff like that. So I had probably like, you know, five or six people from DV Pit, like five or six people from those previous encounters from just having been around publishing for like, you know, three years at that point. And then I had a few more who were just like, okay, these seem like they might be like a good fit for me. You know, they represent authors that I really admire um, and things like that. So I only queried 15 people in my first round. Um, and then I had a bunch more to query more people, but I just ended up not having the chance to do that. But yeah, so then the next day I was like, okay, I'm going to query all of these people. So I'd written out like my 
actual pitch portion of the query. I had prepared all my materials. I had like my email template all ready to go. And I was like, I'm just going to send like a couple of queries. And then five minutes later, I had a full request from both of these agents. Oh and then I was it's like, so well, stressful. shit, I have to now finish my book, actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> no! And I was so, I was, I remember being so annoyed. <laughs> I was like, I was like why did I do no. this before finishing my book? I was like, this is terrible. See, this is what I mean. This is why I'm like, I'm going to start you guys. So I cut this out of the podcast later because it's going to no, but you, the book was finished, right? You just had to revise it. Yeah, it was finished because I'd done a bunch of revisions. It was just the last, like, you know, I feel few like chapters. Here's, as your friend, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that actually it was probably fine, but the way your brain works, you didn't consider it done. Yeah, because it's not like you didn't actually write it and you were sending an incomplete manuscript. This was just you wanting to revise, like, for the millionth yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So then I was like, okay, fine. So then I finished actually the last little bit of the book. Um, and then I sent those out. And then I went to my day job. And then I basically queried everybody else that I wanted to query. I had a few other like full requests from like from people that I had either pitched before. Um, this is the thing that like looking back, I'm really glad that I did, which is I went out that night to hang out with like my best friends from high school. And I was like, I want to celebrate finishing the book and sending it out. Oh, I was like, good. I can't control what's going to happen. I can't control. Like I didn't actually celebrate like signing with an agent or getting a book deal. I celebrated the moment where I did the thing, like put it out there mm -hmm. because I think that's like something that's in your control. Right. And I think you, you should celebrate all of the, the things, but okay. <laughs> you continue. I celebrate everything because there's so little to celebrate sometimes that you should celebrate and cherish like every single moment but that was like really important for me to celebrate and to commemorate be like this is a moment where I let go of my book and I put it out there and whatever happens I can't control but yeah I did this and this that was like a hundred percent like my accomplishment oh I love that so I much I do I love that too um okay so, so what what happened next yes, <laughs> Yeah. So then I woke up the next day and I had an email from my agent saying she wanted to hop on a call and I just started crying. I was Aww. like, oh my God, that fast at all. And I did not expect, you know, I didn't expect anything to be totally honest. And That's so wild. While you were <laughs> celebrating, she was reading. <laughs> she was coming she for was. you. And yeah, so then... It was a very stressful, like, two weeks because right after I had to, so I was at a part-time day job, but it was, like, during the summer, and during the summers, we were full-time, and so I was, like, at my day job for, like, all day, so then I actually ended up hearing back from a couple of other agents, and so I had to do all of my agent calls and all of my, um, calls with like other clients and stuff like that I had to do them all like at my day job like during like my lunch break or like I'd like sneak away like in the morning when it was like quiet and like do calls and stuff and like literally sitting outside of my um of where I worked and my manager was so lovely and so kind there were a couple of instances where it was just so busy and she was so supportive of me that she literally gave me her office to use so that I would have like a little bit of privacy to like take these calls 
and it was just a very like surreal experience looking back at it now yeah that that is it's always such a whirlwind when those kinds of things happen especially when you've been like sort of working towards it for a long time and it's just like nothing 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 and then suddenly it's everything all at once and like as exciting as that sounds it is very stressful (laughs) um it's it's a lot and it's nothing that anybody ever sort of prepares you for like I guess you can read like a couple blog posts like what it's like to get multiple offers or whatever (laughs) right um but there's nothing really like it happening to you and having to make a decision based on like vibes sometimes (laughs) yes absolutely that's really what it is and like everybody who I spoke to was incredible and I was like I can't believe all of these like amazing people like want to work with me like they liked my book and it just blew my mind and it was so hard it was yeah it was like very stressful like for me it was more like also just like logistics of like figuring out okay when can I do this call like is this a quiet time at work for me to like be able to do this and you know stuff like that where it's like it's also hard when like life stuff like kind of gets in the way um which again like you know you don't necessarily think about until you're in that position right yeah 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 for sure I I remember when I had like the two weeks of like chaos and it was like I'd be on my way down to the city like having phone calls like in the car like when I just had one like in the house as I was getting ready it's a lot and it's like what if I don't make the right choice because I'm like so frazzled right now um but yeah it is it is very it can be very stressful it's exciting but it can be very stressful Mm-hmm. it's very exciting and it is yeah very stressful too and yeah I was just very grateful that it happened as quickly as it did um because you know like you said it was like so long where it was just like nothing and I was just like revising this book in my in my room and just like you know but like this is also kind of what I mean by like a lot of it was so internal for me because it was just all these like revisions that I did and all of these like moments where I had so much self-doubt I was like I don't think I can do this I don't know if I can do this I don't feel like I wrote a good book and all of those kinds of moments um and then it was just like a like it was very unexpected for me that it that like, you know, I queried and I had an offer literally the next day because like, that's not even a story that I was like, I'd never heard of that happening to people either. So it was like, absolutely blew my mind. But that was also like, kind of like a weird reason why I never actually did a blog post or something like that, because it it was so fast. And I was like, this is so not the normal. And I don't know like this was just again like just in my own head but I was all I it almost felt like I was like invalidating like how hard it was to be like well but this was like so fast so was it really a hard journey for you kind of thing like I don't know if that makes sense yeah no I totally get why you feel weird about it because there's a very specific narrative that's like spoken about within publishing And it's this idea of like, oh, you need to struggle to get something and deserve it, which is so silly because like in any other job, we'd never be like, oh, you know, you're a nurse. Did you struggle enough to be a nurse? (laughs) Um, But like 
So, but the thing is, is like you hit the nail on the head already. A lot of the struggle that you went through was completely valid, but because it was internal, it's so hard for us to speak it aloud and to acknowledge it because like I do think, especially I think a lot of authors of color, like we are like very much like blame ourselves and we're like take the burden onto ourselves and we're like, I don't want to burden other people with my struggle or my pain yeah but I think like what you had to go through with like oh I I like um pitched in dv pit and then realizing afterwards that you didn't think you were prepared and then stressing out because you publicly pitched and now you can't query I think that that's all something that is worth talking about so that other people can hear that this does happen and that it's not standard and that you have to make whatever choice is right for your career at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And that was like a big stress because it was so public too. And then I was like feeling all kinds of like emotions about the fact that so many people knew that I had pitched and knew that I was like, query we're about to query Mm -hmm. and that adds like this whole other dimension to it too because then I felt like this weird sense of oh I'm disappointing somebody else I don't know who that somebody else was but it was just somebody out there that I was potentially disappointing it was you in a wig (laughs) (laughs) it's this is a a topic me and Kat talk about all the time because I feel like especially with DV Pitt being as big as it was, um, mm-hmm. doing something public like that, it's, it's, again, it's nothing that anybody can ever prepare you for. And it is like that sort of scary doing things in public uh, yeah. sort of journey that, you know, I guess like between, like there obviously have been other pitch contests before and, and there's pitch wars, of course, but there was something really exciting about DV Pit, especially when it first started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do feel like there was a lot of eyes on the yeah. first, uh, like people who, who, who participated because it was sort of like a test, like, is this yeah. contest going to be good? Like, um, all of those things. So I, um, I, 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 I relate to all of that is what I'm saying. Like, I definitely know what you felt like. And it, it, for me, like when I, I, I did DV pit two times and the second time I did it is because I left my first agent and I remember asking Beth, should I do it? And she's like, yes, but just know everyone's going to be asking you questions (laughs) Um, because nobody knew I had left my first agent. Right. Um, so this is like very scary public way of doing things. And like, I have arguments both for and against, uh, uh, being in the public eye so much as an author, but, um, but yeah, I, I completely get that. Gumi Young has a secret. She's a Gumiho, a shape-shifting nine-tailed fox that must hunt down men and devour their energy in order to live forever. No one in modern-day Seoul believes in the old tales anymore, which makes it the perfect place to hide and to hunt. But Myung's life is turned upside down when she saves the life of a human boy on Jihoon. And after Myung saves Jihoon's life, the two form a tenuous friendship that blooms into romance, setting them down a path that will soon force Myung to choose between her immortal life and Jihoon's. 
Wicked Fox and its companion novel Vicious Spirits finds inspiration in Korean mythology, culture, and K-dramas. Wicked Fox has been called a vibrant debut novel that employs Korean genre conventions for an utterly original take on the young adult fantasy by Entertainment Weekly and fresh and fast-paced by School Library Journal Review. Wicked Fox and Vicious Spirits are out now from Penguin Random House wherever books are sold. So you had multiple offers, as you've already said. Um, And so for our listeners, do you mind kind of explaining what factors went into your final decision to know that the agent you chose was the right agent for you? That is a really good question. Um, I think the, I had like, you know, kind of a checklist that I don't fully remember, but a few things that were high on my list was I didn't want to be like the only author of color on somebody's list. Like I didn't want it to be like, oh, does this person just think that this is going to potentially spell really quickly? Um, because that was like another sort of narrative that is that was very popular at the time where it was like, oh, diverse books are spelling right now kind of thing. So I didn't want that um, sort of vibe. Um, I also wanted to make sure that we were on the same page, like communication wise. And it's easy to communicate when things are going well. It's hard to communicate when things aren't going well. And I'm somebody who's very direct, especially when it comes to like professional things. Like I would rather have like an honest answer that I don't like than a nice lie. And so that was a very um, important thing that I that I wanted to discuss. Another factor was like, I want to write in like other genres and age categories. So like, is that something that they were going to be supportive of? Or, or if that's something that they also, um, you know, they had other authors in uh, those spaces. And... I think that those were like sort of the main things that I looked at. There was something else that I was going to say. Oh, the other thing was, did they talk about like liking this book or did they talk about liking my writing? Because I knew that I wanted, I knew I wanted like a career agent and not just somebody who was like, oh, I really love this book and I think I could sell this book and then we'll figure it out later kind of thing. I wanted somebody who really talked about my writing and really talked about, I guess, more of like the themes and the ideas that I had and was interested in like other stuff I had to write um, and things like that. That was like another big uh, thing I considered. That's so smart. I really like that. It's clever. You got to catch them. (laughs) You got to be like, what did you really like? (laughs) Tell me what's on page 56 right now. Pop quiz. (laughs) Um, (laughs) okay so one of the things that i already told you ahead of time akshaya because we are friends is that i wanted to talk to you about making friends and publishing because clarible and i talk about it a lot on this podcast um because it always comes up in the community like how do i make friends how do i find critique partners how do i get in with like other authors And I feel like it's something, not only that's relevant because the three of us are actually friends, but also because I do feel like like the way you said actually, like, yeah, (laughs) we're We're not like fake friends. friends. 
<laughs> we're just friends on the internet and then specifically on this podcast we just pretended that we're friends just <laughs> for this okay so what I mean is that we're friends outside of Twitter I have people like we've who... hung out in real life yeah <laughs> like I've met your I've met your parents <laughs> That's true. You have. I have. I haven't met your parents. <laughs> okay. Maybe one day you'll be oh, cool you enough. Come visit me. My dad will make you coffee. Ooh, I love coffee. That was my goal for a very long time. After I first became friends with Akshaya, for some reason I got obsessed with her dad making coffee for me. Oh yeah, because my dad makes coffee every morning, and so that was like the big thing. So when Cat came to stay with me. At my uh, parents' house, my dad made coffee every day. It was delicious. Um, okay, so yeah, how did you first get involved in the publishing community, and how did you start making friends? Like, what did you have? Like, a goal of like, I want to have a group of publishing friends, or was it like more organic for you? It was very organic. I literally started out saying I want one publishing friend. I not even a publishing friend. I just in whenever I like really started taking writing seriously, I was like, I want one person who is also taking writing seriously. That was like all I was looking for because nobody in like my IRL community (laughs) was a writer. Mm -hmm. And so I found literally I just found like one critique partner and then from there we kind of I guess somewhat organically ended up finding other people and then those people found other people and then somehow we became like a group of like 20 people (laughs) (laughs) that's not even an exaggeration there's like 20 of us and it's not even it wasn't planned like it wasn't like you know I was like I want a critique group that has 18 people like that was not (laughs) ever my goal it just somewhat accidentally happened and like I think okay so in terms of like what I wanted out of like a critique partnership I think one of the best decisions that I made in hindsight was that I wanted people who I liked as people and not just people who I liked as writers smart so Mm -hmm. it was important for me to be like okay we're gonna talk about writing we're gonna talk about our books but like I also want to be able to talk about like other stuff like you know stuff that we like like whether that was like books or movies but then also like life stuff if it came up and Mm -hmm. so that I think like in hindsight was something that I'm very glad that I did. And it also helped that like at the time when I was looking for other writers, I just happened to find other people who were like kind of in the same place as me. Like this was before any of us like had agents or book deals. And we were, um, we had like a similar experience of like all having like somewhat recently like graduated college and. Oh yeah, sure. Back home I, you very recently graduated college before I met you. That's <laughs> totally true. That's the right timeline. Me too. <laughs> okay, this was like, this was a while ago. This was like in 2014. We're going to move on from this part of the story. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I noticed that because I was like um, middle end joiner of the group. 
So I definitely noticed when I first started hanging out with all of you guys and first joined the group chat that it was very organic, like, oh, I watched the latest episode of, like, Vampire Diaries or whatever. And then people would just chat and discuss it. And that felt so fun to me. So I felt more comfortable immediately. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's a lot of, like, that pop culture connection, definitely. And, like, again, because... I mean, our critique group, like, at this point, I think we have, like, the youngest person and the oldest person is, like, maybe, like, a nine-year, like, age gap. But, like, we're all roughly the same, like, generation. We grew up with a lot of the same things. So a lot of our influences are similar and a lot of what we loved was similar. And, of course, I think almost all of us write fantasy, even if that's not what we're currently writing. And so there was just a lot of things that organically we could connect on and then from there we just became like real friends you know just it's not just about writing and the thing that I love about our critique group is that if any or all of us ever stopped writing or being in publishing we would still be friends like we have other things that we have connected on and other things about our lives and our personalities that we enjoy spending time with each other that we would still be friends. I think that's so important when it comes to writing friends, because I think because the initial sort of like thing that brings you together is this like very intense um, shared love of something, you know, books and writing. I feel like writing friendships can move really quickly because like you already have this like built in thing. um, But talking about other stuff and like really getting to know one another and like, doing stuff that's like not just book events and and stuff like that is really important um because like for me my writing friends have become like the my main friend groups in my life um but but what ends up happening is if we only ever talk about books then like that's all there ever is to my life and I don't want to just be like a book making machine (laughs) I want to have more interests other goals I don't want everything to just revolve around only books and uh you know having friends that you share different interests with and like you can like play Pokemon Go with or whatever the (laughs) hell um go to concerts together like do stuff outside of writing because it's just healthier too you know yeah Mm -hmm. um absolutely so yeah so that's not something that I hear people really talk about a lot but I think that it is really important um, to point out, um, because like, also you want to make sure the person's not a douchebag because like, <laughs> there's th- like being, no, like having writing friends can be very contentious. It can be hard. Um, you never know when someone's going to like, quote unquote, pull ahead of someone else. Like, what if that person can't handle it? And is like a fucking crazy person. Like some of these like YouTubers who like, there was this, okay, this is a side note, but we need to talk about it. I don't know their names, but there was these YouTubers like back in the day where one, oh, I think it was Lily Pond, um, where she deleted her fr- quote unquote friends videos like off of her phone, her, her videos that were doing really well on YouTube. <gasps> to sabotage her? Um, to sabotage her. I'm going to send you the link. Wow. It's so good. But, okay. but like when you think about it like things on like a smaller scale can happen if you don't know the people who you are friends with in writing because mm-hmm. we're in the same industry and some people yeah. will see other writers as their competition um which you shouldn't you shouldn't at it's all not a zero-sum game no you shouldn't I think I think it's normal to have moments of jealousy but you shouldn't be competing with 
anyone yeah. but yourself. Like, I really believe that. Um, so it's good to get to know people and get to know who they really are. Like, what if they sleep in a bed full of snakes? Well, you that's don't a personal know. choice. That's though. important to know. Yeah, because then what? you don't want to hang out at their place. It's a personal choice. But then when you room up at uh at, at a book conference and they're like, hold on, got to get my snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly. They should at least tell you that so you can choose the double room instead of the king size bed. I would still have a yeah, problem. Exactly. You want <laughs> snakes slither, okay? <laughs> Unless you have a literal cage over your bed and can guarantee that the snakes won't slip through to get on the bed with me it's not happening there's so many logistics to this like (laughs) hypothetical someone write the short story there's only one bed and it has snakes We should leave this in. It's- this is in. <laughs> oh, um, absolutely. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. And I think there's like, okay, so the good thing I think about having publishing friendships is that there's like a, like you have somebody to, who understands like the nuances of it. Like I can talk to my non-publishing friends, but like they don't, I have to like explain a lot of like background for things, whether they're like positive things or negative things that are like happening in publishing and the but on the flip side I think it's very easy to if you're only talking about books and publishing to get to this really negative place because a lot of times like being a professional writer is hard in a lot of different ways in some ways that are easy to see and some ways that are very hard to see like if you're just on the outside looking in and I think it's it's easy to get to this like really negative place um and like one of my friends and I just decided earlier this year, we're like, we're just not going to talk about publishing for a while. And honestly, I don't know that we'll go back to a place where we talk about publishing. We just talk about other things. We have so many shared interests. We have so much stuff that we just enjoy talking about that has nothing to do with books and publishing. And that's still a part of our lives. We're both still writing, but it just keeps me, I think, feeling healthier as well. Like with my friendships, if I'm not just talking about yeah like books and writing and stuff I think that's so super important and everyone should try to do the same not 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 talking about publishing because that's hard not everyone has to do that but definitely having other topics of conversation yeah um it's really important um so we've talked a lot about your journey but you have told us what your book is actually about yet so do you want to give us a quick uh pitch for the ivory key yes i can do that um so it is a YA fantasy it is set in a world where magic is a physical resource um and it's running out and so these four estranged royal siblings go on a quest to try to find more. So it's a little bit of like treasure hunt, like Indiana Jones, National national Treasure-esque sort of adventures. But there's also like a lot of family drama. Um, I was very inspired by like the originals. So there's mm. a lot of like, you know, lots of angst. <laughs> That's a really big <laughs> Uh, part of the book there's yeah there's like secret societies and puzzles and 
stuff like that. I love it. It's going to be really good. And I know you revised it a billion times. So, <laughs> so many times. I've revised uh, it so many times. <laughs> um, so for people who are sort of like in the revision loop, <laughs> um, do you have any sort of tips for how to finally sort of get yourself to um, start querying or to sort of revise something in a way that like you feel like it's ready for the next step I'm the literal worst person to ask about this because I would have revised <laughs> for another year had somebody not literally forced me to query so so, so get a friend to force you <laughs> that's my advice is I mean honestly like a lot of my any sort of like writing advice thing really comes back to like find your community and find your people um when it comes to, like for me right now, when it comes to revising and even just like literally figuring out what I'm going to do, it's very, very helpful for me to have like critique partners who I can call and brainstorm with. Mm. And yeah, I would say like kind of the same thing for when you're unsure if you're ready to query or not. That's like really when having like a trusted critique partner and take a look at it and say, is this actually ready or is this not is helpful yeah I think that's great great advice <laughs> what's um yeah my actual could... query I mean not query but like actual revision <laughs> advice is just suffer just suffer all the time. oh no <laughs> you don't have to suffer guys yeah. <laughs> what don't um, scare don't... our babies yeah <laughs> our wordies I okay what about for yourself, like if there was something you could say to past Akshaya, like from your experiences now, like what's something you would say to her? Trust the process, I think is what I would say. Oh, so wise. I like that. I agree. I like trust the process better than suffer all the time. <laughs> oh. Same. <laughs> Um, uh, what's something you're, I, cause you know, when this episode airs, it's going to be the day before your book comes out. Oh my God. I'm nervous. So it, no, you know, everyone's, you everyone's, everyone's <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting. Um, it, so that means that everyone listening still has a chance to pre-order as of today, their 20 prerequisite copies. Um, but what's something you're really looking forward to for debut? I'm really looking forward to people reading the book. You know, I wrote the book so that people would hopefully read it. And I'm, you know, this has been my book for so long. It's been, I've spent so many years on like working on it and I'm ready for it to be, to belong to other people. I love that. And it's going to be so fun when people are doing like fan art and like freaking out about the book with you online. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be so fun and exciting. And I'm so excited for you. And I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't be nervous. Wait, why am I telling you not to be nervous? <laughs> I, feel like you, I feel like this conversation needs to go the other way. Where I'm like, I'm really nervous. And you should be like, no, it's going to be okay. <laughs> no, we're both nervous together. <laughs> it's it's going to be great because you have so many amazing characters. Like there's 
so many opportunities for people to fan over all the different people in your book. So that's gonna be great. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to that. I'm definitely looking forward to like talking to readers and the few people who have read early copies who have reached out has just meant so much to me, especially when I hear from South Asian readers. Mm -hmm. And when they say like, how much the book meant to them or how much they connected with elements of it, like, that's just it's very special. And I'm very, very grateful for that. Yay. Yeah. We're so excited for you. Um, everyone who comes on Ride or Die tells us their most embarrassing publishing-related story or something they wish they'd known before they started. You could do either or. You could do both. It's up to you. Um, I don't really have, like, a super embarrassing, like, publishing story, I mm. guess. I mean, there's that time that I cried on Becky Albertalli. I don't know if that counts as embarrassing. Oh, Becky's a sweetheart, though. Yeah, crying on people <laughs> is normal. And... I mean, I guess this is like maybe one of like my favorite publishing moments. I'm just like, I'm going to answer neither of the questions that you asked and answer my own question. What? <laughs> That's not allowed. <laughs> All right, fine, go. But okay, so I met Becky at the Boston Teen Author Festival. Mm -hmm. I had literally bought Simon versus in this one bookstore in Boston. And I read the entire book in that bookstore. I just sat there and I read it. Oh my gosh. And then the next day I went to the festival and I was like in her signing line and I handed her the book and I was going to say something, but I literally just looked at her and just started crying. Oh, no. And I just don't, I don't remember anything we talked about, but she drew a crying Oreo in my book. Oh. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's adorable. And then the wildest thing was I, a couple of years later, I actually, um, saw her at a different festival and she remembered me and then she Aww. wrote and, and like when she signed uh, my book she drew more tears in my book she drew another crying oreo she was like I remember that she was like I drew this last time it was Aww. very very nice so. that's so sweet Aww. I actually really love that story Becky is a really kind person mm -hmm. I think she was one of so the kind. people who was like really nice to me before I had like an agent yeah. or, or anything um so I love that story so much. It's so cute. <laughs> if it helps, Aksha, you're a part of one of my most embarrassing publishing stories. Was it when you bowed at Lainey Taylor? No, that was Janella. <laughs> um, Wait, which story, which story is this? We were at Book Expo and you went to go visit Sue's. Um, and then you ended up coming back with Sue's. Um, and also one of her author friends who I will not name because I don't want to embarrass them. Oh, I know this story. <laughs> but they are a kidlit author. And I saw you and I was waving at you to be like, Akshaya, we're over here. And Seuss's friend must have thought I was waving at her. And I must have also been waving in a way that made it look like I wanted to hug her. So she hugged oh me. And I was just like... <laughs> oh, I don't want to tell her that I wasn't waving her, so I just hugged her back. And oh she was God, like, oh, I it's do not remember this at all. You were a, a few steps behind her, and so that's why she must have thought I was waving at her, because she didn't see you, like, waving back at me. So I oh just, gosh, like, was like, so funny. oh, I just got to hug her back. And she was so sweet, and she was like, oh, it's nice to meet you. And I was like, yes. Yes, definitely. 
I love that. That is, that's like a wholesome, like embarrassing story. It's not like she knew that yeah, and, and it was weird. I just and DM'd so her sweet. and told no! her everything. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> Kat really like ran, like she like leaned forward to look at my phone <laughs> as if I would really do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that was so funny you're red you know why because <laughs> no because once i told clarabelle about a person i had a crush on and then clarabelle dm'd them to be fair i ended up dating them for a year <laughs> you gave me permission okay, to no. dm though you gave me permission to dm it wasn't like i was like i'm doing this behind your back i was like should i dm should i dm and tell them what see what you think of we were both really drunk at the my favorite murder show okay to be fair <laughs> And I asked Kat, like, if it was okay. You gave me permission. I, I did. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this this episode is just about embarrassing me now. <laughs> you did. You. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Akshaya, thank you so much for being on Ride or Die. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. This oh. was so fun. Of course. Um, so can you tell all our, all blah, blah. Can you tell our listeners where they can follow you on the internet? Uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm mostly on Instagram at Akshraman. So that's A-K-S-H-R-A-M-A-N. And I'm not on any other social media. So that's it. And what's your website? Oh, it's akshayaraman.com. Perfect. Yay. <laughs> And we'll have it on the show notes as well as links okay, where you can order the Ivory Key 20 copies as promised. Please go, everyone. Order right now. Thank you. And thank you again, Akshaya. Best of luck with your launch and your debut. Woo! Thank you. Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Kat Cho. And Ghost Squad by Clarabelle A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, wordies. And don't forget to spread the word.